0: Soccer, written and narrated by Mark Lingane. Copyright 2014. Episode seven. The phone rang. Times had changed and I wasn't interested in what it had to say. I sat staring at the doorway. Was I expecting someone to burst through it? Probably i needed to get some thoughts together about what had happened limbo's was where it had went wrong the lady of a certain age owed me a few answers i caught another 35 back down to the basin as soon as i arrived i knew something had gone down the entrance was busted open but not from the outside in through the gates a clear path had been blown straight from the front door through the complicated garden Plants in the line of fire had been charred into a blackened mess, allowing an unbroken view of the sky. In through the front door, the marble had met the same fate. The smoking remains of the last portrait were broken on the floor, but I could make out parts of the face. Hugh Jorgen. I looked back over the other portraits. I pulled out my leisure and took some snaps of them. It might be interesting finding out who they were. Phone lady was dead. Her burned body crumpled on the ground. Her hands held up in front of her like she was a stone statue. I shuffled through the keys until I found 1969. The corridors were eerily quiet. I knocked on a couple of doors but there was no response. I made my way through the maze and eventually came up to the California room. This time I slowly opened the door and looked cautiously around. The place was empty of life. Hugh's body was now lying on the floor. He was still smiling, but he didn't have much to be happy about. The trash monsters had visited. Most of the room was turned inside out, not wanting to mess the place up but definitely looking for something. Pillows and cushions were slashed, drawers pulled open and turned over. Stuff everywhere. Now the interesting part was the artifacts. They looked like they were untouched, which was terminally odd amongst the chaos. I had a closer look at the artifacts he had on the shelves. Each sat offset from a ring of dust, meaning they had slid over, but left in roughly the same place. That seemed odd. I lifted up a teak head. It didn't explode. It wasn't particularly heavy, just old wood designed to keep superstitions at bay. There was a hand dead as a doornail. It looked a bit creepy. It didn't spring to life and try to strangle me or answer a telephone. There must have been 200 compartments in the shelving unit each space occupied, except for one bang in the middle of the construction. The compartment was long and thin with with a circular clip on one side. I took some more photographs, always keeping a lookout for someone silent sneaking up on me. I sat in Hugh's seat, hopefully seeing what he was smiling about. The sun was creeping across the sky. A high window above the roof was letting in a dull light. I squinted as the sunlight fell into my eyes. It was easy to see what he was smiling at. By the door were two gold records, his hits before people realized he wasn't any good. I grabbed the first frame. It contained his first hit. You got me. I flicked around the frame. The back was a patchwork of tape holding the frame together. I sat back down in Hugh's chair and ran my eye over each piece. Written on yellowing, sticking tape was a name, S. Kane, followed by a number. It was the kind of thing you would miss if you were in a hurry, or not particularly delicate. I carefully peeled it off and shoved it in my pocket. I picked up the second record and started to examine it, when on the edge of hearing I heard a distant crack. I ran over to the door and glanced out. Shadows fell over the entrance of the corridor. I bolted out of the room and tried the opposite door. The handle turned under my grip and I slid into the room. It was dark. I held the door open for a sliver and peered out. The angle was bad. All I could hear were heavy steps trying to sound quiet. The visitor stopped out of the front of Hugh's room and looked around before pushing into it. I made sure I didn't gasp. The solid tall body with the long black hair was unmistakable. I closed the door and waited. In the darkness of the room, my senses picked up. What they picked up was a particular, familiar scent. I heard a smashing of glass from the other room, like a frame containing a gold record being busted open. I glanced down at the one in my hands. It had suddenly become a lot more interesting and valuable. The scent hit me again. Its familiarity gnawed away at me. I put the record frame down and made my way into the room. I could see an outline of a bed in the center. I fumbled around until I found a side table. I turned on the lamp and the room was filled with a dull golden glow. I stood back and took in the scene. The bed sheets were tightly tucked in, looking neat, ship and ready for action. The rope coiled in the center of the bed was a little unexpected, but not unheard of in a cheap or discerning hotel. The end had been cut and burned for incarceration rather than for freedom. But were they tied up here or released here? And why leave the rope? Then the walls caught my attention. I stepped back and took in the spectacle. Blood had been sprayed in large foreign letters over each wall. I couldn't read them, but I could guess what they meant. And still that familiar scent lingered in the air. I followed it to the source. My nose ended up hovering over the pillow. I picked it up. The scent was strong Reminded me of desire. Something fell out of the pillow slip and bounced on the taut sheets. It was a broken heart and a hair clip. Mina. You know, the sound of a door being expertly and silently opened clicked delicately through the still air. I grabbed the hair clip and went back to the door, picking up the gold record frame. Through the narrow crack, I saw Levi look around and then head out the door. His face was full of fury. Perhaps he didn't find what he's looking for. Perhaps because it was in my hands. One of two objects. I eased open my door and crept down the corridor after the big man. He was easy to follow with his great stomping feet crushing all sense of discretion into dust. He made his way back to the terrace but went west rather than towards the vinyl. I tracked him hanging off the back of his 35. He was a guy who never looked back, which was a good thing because it was easy to spot a guy following you with a big frame with a mounted gold record. He hung out at the bus stop and I cruised on to the next stop and made my way back. He had engaged in a heated exchange with another large man. The stranger could be best described as a bear, covered in hair and a set of arms that could crush small vehicles. From my observation point, it was easy to see they weren't friends. They weren't even enemies. The anger and spit ran way deeper. Levi was poking Bear Man in his chest. Bear Man let out a shout that could be heard all the way to the bay. Betrayer. He took a swing at Levi, who easily ducked out of the way. Levi pushed Bearman, who stumbled back. Levi turned and ran. Bearman recovered and put in a couple of long strides before giving up. He let out another shout. I spotted a 35 approaching. I dashed over to the bus stop. Bearman came striding back. He slowed as he passed me, giving me and the gold record a strange look, but he didn't stop and he continued his long, loping strides off down the terrace. I jumped on the 35, hanging off the bag I could see Levi ahead. He slowed down, looked around and ducked into a small alleyway. As the 35 slowed, I jumped off and ran back to the little alleyway. It was cold. Eden Lane. It was as empty as a basin hooker's mind. I wandered down to the end. Brick walls ran down both sides and ended with another brick wall. No doors, no windows, no exits other than the way in. I kicked various points but nothing happened other than my toe blistering. I took the gold record and went back to my office. I was pulling apart the frame when there was a knocking at the door. I slid the frame behind my seat. Yeah. The door creaked open and Lara looked in. I gave her a wave.
1: You up too much? I was passing and thought I'd see if you wanted to go out.
0: Uh... I looked hesitantly around the room.
1: You in the middle of something?
0: She said, "Yeah, an investigation." Oh. The disappointment in her voice was solid and her face fell. I couldn't let her be like that. How about dinner tonight? Okay, she replied. She visibly lifted. That made me feel better.
1: My choice? I nodded. I'll just do some paperwork down at the tank until then your friend not here something happened she got ill or something and she can't come my dad's friend said he he'd say more when he got down here but he was all weird and refused to talk about it
0: she disappeared out probably planning some difficult night out that revolved around dancing and not enough drinking It was a troubling thought which I needed to put out of my mind. The strange woman in the vinyl was banging around inside my head. I wanted to know if I was crazy or if I was real crazy. I flipped open the pages and searched for some possible assistance. Among all the shysters and con artists, it was difficult to find an honest man, but I grabbed a couple of names from the more interesting adverts and stepped out into the afternoon. My place was becoming hot, so I ran past a nearby yellow box and dropped off the record. It was going to be safer than concealing the gold record in the special flap in the wardrobe. The first two ended up being less substantial than a puff of opium through a broken hooker. Nothing but unwashed men with excessive beards and weird eyes and a misplaced belief that they were something more than ten a decimal wannabe. The third didn't even have a glitzy sign. The building only had a small silver plate screwed into the wall. The letters had been scribbled over by a demented person with a crayon. I pushed my way in, accompanied by the tinkling of a small bell above the door, and was immediately hit with the aura of the place. There was no showbiz here. It was a plain dark room with nothing but a couple of chairs and a small table up against the wall. There was a strong scent of garlic, like she was cooking up a storm. I spotted several clothes on a small shelf slightly above the table. This is a shop.
1: That would imply I have something to sell
0: came the voice. It was hollow, full of defeat. What do you do?
1: I protect myself and educate those of an inquisitive mind.
0: I looked around the small room. It seemed devoid of any educational equipment. As my eyes became accustomed to the light, I began to recognize the outlines of various religious artifacts, painted black, hung against the wall. It reminded me, disconcertingly, of Hugh Joggins' California Room. What has glowing fingers? I asked as my eyes drifted around the room.
1: Are you talking about the skinny blonde women? Yeah. God, I hate them.
0: A young lady stepped out of the shadows. She looked normal, unlike the other people, and she was dressed in the city outfits all the uptown ladies were wearing. A white shirt, short black skirt and a lungs, and a white socks pulled up to her knees.
1: The vampires,
0: she said. I didn't say anything, but I'm guessing my expression stated everything that needed to be said.
1: No really, I don't know where this whole myth of sinking fangs into the neck of virgins comes from, but these creatures, they turn into these large winged beasts and they suck the life force out of their victims, young girls.
0: She reached forward, her eyes going wide and her fingers questing out. I'd seen that before. I stepped hesitantly away. She focused on her hand, realizing how it may appear, and then lowered it. My mind flipped back to the food of the strong herb aroma and the effect it had, had on the skinny blonde thing. What's with the garlic myth? She took a clove down off the shelf. It's
1: the scent. Animals rely heavily on scent. If you wave it under the nose of a dog, the dog will shy away, and it fights mutated antibodies in their blood their blood. She rotated in her hand, mesmerized by it. It's like it was created to hurt them, a vampire hand grenade.
0: How'd you know this? In one swift movement, she ripped open her top, which was unexpected, and pointed to the five burn marks on her chest.
1: One was sucking the life from me when the dog came along and scared her away. What kind? A big one.
0: Why, you? She hesitated, standing there with her top hanging open and her breast poking out. I... She sadly drew the sides of her shirt around her front.
1: Met the right criteria.
0: That all. She nodded, but I knew she was hiding something. Why are they appearing?
1: I don't know. They've been around forever, and um, we're only spotted rarely. Perhaps something important is coming.
0: Something like the change? She hesitated.
1: What do you know about that?
0: You tell me. Yeah. A moment bounced around the room when she quietly stared at me.
1: What do you know about people?
0: I gave her a quizzical. She cocked her head to the side.
1: Do you know where we come from?
0: The stalk. A manic energy entered her voice and she started waving her hands around frantically. Her eyes grew wide.
1: What if they told us was a lie? What if there had been no evolution, only mutation? Those creatures consider themselves the next step. We're like monkeys to them. they they're, they're gonna wipe us out. That's the change.
0: You're crazy. I shook my head and turned to leave.
1: I've seen things. When they were sucking the life out of me, I had visions. I know what they're doing.
0: Her eyes were wide with desperation. She lunged after me, grabbing my jacket lapels and dragging me closer.
1: They are vermin sucking the life out of people, spreading disease. They are vicious and relentless. Nothing will stop them once they have targeted you until you are dead.
0: What's your name? She hesitated, her eyes half full of tears and doubt. She drifted off into a recollection that gave her a small smile.
1: Angelina,
0: she replied. Angelina, am I a target?
1: They don't target men.
0: She looked at me uncertainly.
1: Do those pretty little blonde things come to you, offering you dreams and promises? Not really. Once one has targeted you, she won't stop until one of you is dead. And they don't die. You have to wrap yourself up in all this.
0: She indicated the superstitious artifacts around her dark pokey room.
1: Then take it one day at a time.
0: Why only women?
1: To stop us breeding, they want to replace us, wipe us out.
0: I reflected upon the information. It was utterly fantastical, completely unbelievable. She was turned out to be as wacky as the other fraudulent shysters. I nodded to her and moved towards the door.
1: You can't leave me like this. They will come for me. Every day is torture. I've seen the pain, the madness that sits inside the head like a brain half rotted away. They're animals. I need to be reclassified. I need my flowers pressed
0: she said struggling for a metaphor all she had to do was shut her mouth for five minutes and any eligible target would be throwing himself at her mind you that also worked for jargon it ain't me i said as i turned to leave there was a click of a hammer being pulled back and a bullet dropping into a chamber i raised my hands and sighed
1: guess again